Epic gumdrop, sweeter than finding an ancient book of unfathomable evil. Hello, Jeff. Hey, James. As always, if uh, anyone listening wants to have the complete show notes to check out while we're going through this for links and all that stuff, head over to BreakingDads.com. 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 Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Epic Gumdrop, and if you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to rate it in iTunes or however you listen to it. Reading it in cuneiform, writing it on bathroom stalls, however it yeah. is you, however you get the word out in your in your neighborhood, <laughs> however you choose to take in podcasts. If you do write it on a bathroom wall, please tweet it to Epic Gumdrop. Yeah, I love that. That That'd would be, good. be yeah. Please like, start defacing bathrooms in my name. Have yeah. You? You can go to your wife and be like, you know what? I'm famous in yeah. Clark County bathrooms. People are writing my name on a bathroom. Oh, wait a second. All through the Snoqualmie Valley. Oh. I don't know. Nah, I was going to say that seems somehow fitting. For, no, it's no, not it fitting really at all to this episode. Maybe a place of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Unfathomable evil. Yes. <laughs> this week, we're going to try and look at another classic horror board game theme. Uh, Cthulhu. A word I recently learned how to pronounce. I, I, you know, I don't even know why I, I, I don't like vampires. Nope. And I also am not a big fan of Cthulhu as a theme. I'm oddly attracted to it. And this is I mainly like I'm attacking all of these topics. I don't know why. I had a topic, I threw it out, and then I started on this. I was like halfway done an episode, and I was like, Nah, I no. don't want to do it. I'm going to do this instead. Do you think maybe uh, that it's uh, you were being like coerced into this like you're being like this was a subconscious thing yeah, like some evil presence has taken root in your mind i i do it's possible it's possible and in fact probably the more research you did the more the more oh, you believed it's it's bonkers um so i guess it will go right back to the beginning if you're yes. going cthulhu what what's that if you don't know i at this point i think everybody my children know everybody on earth knows when you start having your own ironic t-shirts yeah i saw a great one the other day uh where it had uh george w bush and cthulhu uh and it said vote cthulhu the lesser of two evils <laughs> and i thought well that's got to be an old t-shirt yeah but still that's that gets marks um well, if you, everybody knows Cthulhu, but uh, if you're at all aware of the author of the Cthulhu mythos, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, if you're aware of him as a human, it's hard not to have an opinion on his abilities, either as a writer or as a giant racist. Right. Uh, I think it's an understatement to say that he had a bleak view of the world, and it's it's not surprising that a mind like his would produce the horrors it did. Also not surprising that French author Michel Houellebecq uh, chose to write a book of literary criticism on Lovecraft. Um you know, the more popular Lovecraft's legacy becomes, the more evidence that comes out about the, you know, extent of his racism and the increasingly difficult conversations we need to have as consumers of his work. Is Lovecraft a product of his time? And is his racism, quote unquote, normal for the society he came from? That's a thing I hear a lot. Yeah. Does that explain it away? Adding the necessary context uh, or, you know, does, does that just get rid of it? Right. Like, do we do we just kind of go, ah, it's a thing. No, don't worry about it. Um justifying it in a way or should we re-examine his work through this um this new lens with you know the objective of possibly rejecting it completely and saying hey this isn't we're not going to accept any of this um can we should we separate works from their authors or must we always see the ideas in the cthulhu mythos in, in an even more terrible way assuming it's some kind of weird racist subtext running through all of this um 
I don't know. <laughs> Most people who love Cthulhu and Lovecraft's ideas have no idea of their origins. I think it's, you know, it, it's already become in a, detached from its roots in a way, mm-hmm. whether we want it to, it to or which, not. Which, in a way, is not the more powerful in uh, a way, take away to sort of strip away it's... the subversiveness. Yeah. Subvert the subversiveness. Is that a I... sentence I've never said before in my life? Yeah, it's rendered it impotent. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And you take the parts that work in the modern world. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot there in the theme. There is. That can continue yeah. to sort of resonate. Uh, yeah. And then and then it's it it you, you create your own power, I guess. That's I the feeling. I, yeah, I've had a hard time coming to grips with it, especially mm-hmm. the more I read. I, was, I get. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't feel easy with this stuff. <laughs> it made so many. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Should we be like disgusted with its success as a perennial theme or should we celebrate its success and uh, aim at erasing Lovecraft himself from it? Mm hmm. And just go, let's keep Cthulhu and throw out Lovecraft. Yeah. I, I don't know. It seems that w- maybe what a lot of people have done. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it used to be you'd hear like, it's a very Lovecraftian theme. Yeah. And now it's like all Cthulhu. Cthulhu all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. Lovecraft is like a swear word. Which yeah, Well, I don't know if he is or he, or the people are just repeating because he's been stripped away. Maybe. You know, then that's they learn what they learn and that's all there is, that exists. I, I I like the darkness of it all, and I'm glad that we've kind of peeled him away from it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, shocked to hear that you like the darkness of it all. Well, I I do. There's some. I, you I, have dark, dark places inside of you. You scare me sometimes. Yeah. You know, not in a like. I'm not worried you're gonna kill me. Oh, okay. Should no, that, I be? That's worried? what I was going for. Okay. Oh. At any rate, our long preamble to this one. <laughs> I, I just thought it, that's the, you know, always the elephant in the room when you discuss anything to do with Lovecraft. And I think right. increasingly it's becoming that way. And I thought, yeah, we need to address it at least mm-hmm. at, in, on some level. I think it would be, you'd be remiss to talk about Cthulhu without getting into Lovecraft a little bit. But yeah, that's I, as far as we want to go. I think so. Um, let's go on to some games. Then. Let's set it aside. Exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's let's return to this being a gaming podcast. <laughs> what? Yeah. Not just a, a dark where we make, you know, Welbeck references. You yes. Know, that's not what we're about here. Which, by the way, Welbeck, uh, I love French names because I would uh, totally pronounce it that way. It's He's perhaps the only thing darker than <laughs> than Lovecraft if you read his books. They, they're bleak. Which, again, they're great. <laughs> hey, let's go on to games. <laughs> oh, come on. So I went back as far as I could in, in the BGG listings for Cthulhu Mythos-themed board games. And the first one is... Well, what year do you think? Well, Lovecraft. I mean, when when was he writing? When was he working? Uh, the theme was often set in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in your mind. But you're like, no, they wouldn't have made it back then. No. Uh, I don't know. I could see it like in... Uh, see, to me, the 60s were too happy to have a game <laughs> like that, right? Like if you're playing like yeah, Twister and it's true. things like that. Um, and then the 70s... Um, wasn't really dark enough. Mm. Like it was sort of a transition. Yeah. 80s things got dark. That's a good right? guess. You got, you got Max Headroom. You got a fear of, of, you know, global annihilation through, through nuclear war. I'm going to yeah. go with the 80s. Perfect. Yeah. This, it, this is the, uh, I, I don't know if it would you call the post-punk era even at this point. 83. 83. There's darkness all around. Yeah. <laughs> that, I believe that was the slogan for the year. <laughs> That's Welcome <laughs> to 1983. There's darkness all around. Here's a bag of darkness. Why did it take this long? Uh, 
to get into the DNA of board gaming. And I think you kind of hit on that. Uh, it just wasn't dark enough. Mm -hmm. um, another reason could be it wasn't until 1981 that Sandy Peterson's uh, important contribution to role-playing games arrived, uh, Call of Cthulhu from Chaosium. Uh, we won't get into that as we're not really getting into the role play side, <laughs> but that definitely has its influence over this entire what? thing. Board games being influenced by role playing games. Oh, that never happens. No. And the crossover is very heavy. Mm -hmm. um, so that basically seems to kick it off and then board games start borrowing. Um yeah you know and again why was it till 81 it could have been you know copyright reprints battles over literary estates waves of popularity just the social things like you said we weren't ready for it yet yeah. again but 1983 comes in we get dark cults um the rules tell us that horace phineas lovejoy age 42 goes on night walks so while Cthulhu is not explicitly mentioned in the game, uh, he clearly was trying to conjure H.P. Lovecraft's work. Wait, wait, work. are you saying there's some sort of connection between H.P. Lovecraft and Horace Phineas Lovejoy? I don't see no, it. No, none at all. I don't see it at all. Silliness. Yeah, he's pretty on it. So anyway, that was the first one that kind of is listed as really hitting on it. I, I do like, so in 1983, you could call a game Dark Cults, but probably by about 87, <laughs> no, you would not call it Dark you Cults. Would, you'd like after. to sell copies after Yes, because parents would not be like, oh, Jimmy's in the basement playing Dark Cults. Exactly, no big deal. Yeah. So the next one up, uh, The Thing in the Darkness, 1984. <laughs> the, it's a bit more explicit in the Cthulhu mythos inspiration, and somehow it doesn't surprise me that it's from Steve Jackson games. <laughs> Here's a brief description of the gameplay. You are a journalist investigating the disappearance of a college co-ed. Each turn, the player chooses from a list of places to investigate and then reads a paragraph to see what happens. These may involve dice checks and redirections to yet other paragraphs. In addition, there's a time chart. The character must eat and sleep, as this is also a race against time. Racing against time seems to be a persistent theme in a lot of these games that we're going to get into, along with madness. Um, not much more to say about this one. But we'll, I think we'll leave 1984 in the, again, these two anomalous early 80s games. And then we hit yeah. we hit the granddaddy of them all. That seems to now start affecting the entire snowball. Arkham Horror, 1987. I feel like like we should put thunder, lightning, sound effects in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, and this is where they, it all kind of comes together, because I think it was only a matter of time before the folks over at Chaosium um, would produce a board game playing on the theme. Uh, so designers Charlie Crank, Richard Lanius, Sandy Peterson, and Lynn Willis bring us Arkham Horror. Uh, with a three-hour playtime and accommodating up to eight players, it's described as a cooperative adventure game. And the BD BGG description notes that the game has players exploring the town of Arkham as they attempt to stop unmentionable horrors from spilling into the world. It's possible for everyone to go insane and lose in this game. That sounds like a pretty yeah. cool sales pitch. I was I like that. 1987, I would have been all over this. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, although three hour played, I don't know. I was probably, yeah, I had troubles with d and I don't right. know if I would have survived this in 87. When you look at the original rules, it's interesting. This melding of role play games and board games and uh, the theme of sanity, madness, predominant as you, you know, throw your D6 and do your sanity checks. Um, you, you know, at this point, you're thinking there's going to just be like tons and tons and tons of, you know, Arkham Hort. No, no, not yet. Uh, we end the 80s now with only one more title. Uh, I don't know. Maruki uh, Fujimoto 
probably botch that up. Uh, Cthulhu Horror, 1989. So I'm not sure. Like, there, I remember seeing a picture of a Japanese. So, so definitely not trying to trade on the the success of Arkham Horror at that point at all. No, Cthulhu Horror. Yeah, no, they're just uh, it's vague. Yeah, it's loose. I, I saw a Japanese printing of Arkham Horror, so you know it definitely made it to mm-hmm. Japan and started having influence. So I'm guessing it was pretty, yeah, like, and the name's bang on. Here's a description anyway for this one. One of six great demon lords is slowly awakening from deep slumber, and if he does, there will be hell on earth. Players are different teams of adventurers in the 1920s, finding tomes like the Necronomicon, fighting monsters like the Mego, and solving world-spanning events, mysteries of Lovecraftian weirdness. Events give victory points to whoever finally solves them, but the great demon will arise. If there are 100 points worth of these events in the unsolved stack, if he arises, there is also there is the end game of final apocalyptic battle. So players are constantly balancing cooperation with competition under certain circumstances. A player can discover the great demon ahead of the end game and even decide to join the demon. There uh, sounds like a lot to do in this game. It sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't rate very highly at all. This sounds like there's too much to do in this it, game. Yeah, that's what I kind of think. It, they tried to do something different. They took all the bits and went, hey, and then it it doesn't, I don't know. Interesting, though. Mm-hmm. It was definitely worth mentioning. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would have definitely played that at the time because I was like. That yeah. description would have got me. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like any game where you can go from hero to villain. Yeah. Um, preferably without anyone knowing Enjoy until it's too darkness. late. Yes. So the next one up is four years later, uh, 93. Uh, Jeff Barber and John Tynes bring us Creatures and Cultists. Um, right off the bat, it's hard not to judge a game by its uh, John uh, Kovalich art, cover art. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, just think of the Dork Tower comic or Munchkin or any other Steve Jackson game. Uh, I haven't played this, but it looks like basically another light card game. I think that's the... I think when you have a cover like that. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's you know. You're not like inside horrors be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And creatures and cultists. Tickle, tickle. Yeah, it's it look pretty light. Um, they couldn't find like another C word to like keep the alliteration going. No, no. <laughs> Creative. No. So yeah, you we get now the all these card games start happening, and then you're thinking, okay, I I really want something heavier, and and then it comes. Uh, three years later, 1996, Mythos. Mythos. So, I feel like it should be said in a whisper. Mythos. Well, not that whisper. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> You're not trying to make out with the game. <laughs> Mythos. <laughs> Come over here. All right. Yeah, you. <laughs> Wait, you want to sweet talk your board games? Designer. No. <laughs> I'm just going to move right on. Designer Charlie Crank, uh, who we may recall being involved in Arkham Horror, Decided he was not done with Cthulhu yet. Um, with the early 90s craze of collectible card games, uh, in effect, Chaosium brought us this multiplayer. Uh, BGG listed as being between 1 and 10 players, which I go, awesome, horrible, but still cool. Unbalanced. <laughs> the description reminded me a lot of Arkham Horror. Uh, Sanity, once again, features up front. One player described it as being more like a traditional game than a CCG, uh, which I also kind of wondered after reading the description. Uh, which I'll give here. Okay. In this card game, based on H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos, you will play an investigator represented by a double-sized card that has your stats, special abilities, and keeps your story organized, who must complete stories without going insane. From a deck of at least 52 cards, you draw 13 and take turns playing one at a time, and so it moves at a brisk pace. 
You stock your deck with at least 20 points of stories, usually three or four, and try to get the required cards into play. As an example, the card A Day in the Life of an MU Student requires you to visit three different Miskatonic University locations, cast a spell, summon a monster, go to a country site, and play an ally of the opposite sex. When you have fulfilled the conditions, you score the card and gain sanity. In this card's case, you score eight points and gain two sanity. The types of cards you have are locations. You can almost always occupy... You almost always occupy one. Allies, monsters, events, tomes, spells, artifacts, and adventures. A round lasts until there are two passes, at which time all monsters played fight each other, then go after the investigators to disable their allies or reduce their sanity. You can throw allies in front of the monsters as cannon, cannon fodder to protect your investigator. You then decide what cards you're going to keep in your hand. Each investigator has a minimum and a maximum number of cards that must be kept and draw back to 13 for the next round. Because of this, you blow through your deck very quickly and you will go through it a couple of times in most games. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Like this all, seems like another one where just a lot is going on here. It, it, but it also kind of just sounds like a card game. It doesn't sound like a CCG in so many ways. No, it like it. It's, I hear the description. I'm like, are you playing against? I can see why they can go one to ten players because you can. You're just playing yourself for the most part. Kind of. You're like, okay, I got to cycle through to these cards to get these out to play for this. Yeah. Also, the thirteen card hand size a little on the nose a for little, me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I you know I I would like to try this. I'm I'm weirdly curious, but at the same time I you know I don't know. The the standard set list uh, is 104 cards and there's five expansions that added a total of uh, I counted up 476 cards or thereabouts. So I mean there's a decent card yeah. pool. Um anyway, interesting that they decided, you know, Chaosium tried to get all over yeah. everything here. Um CCGs were, you know, it exploded at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, what did I say, 96 for this? So, so they hadn't even imploded yet. No. <laughs> and so they were like, yeah, let's ride this endless wave into the sunset. No, no, they probably didn't. I'm but, sure they, they realized they were in trouble at uh, Gen Con in 96 when they're like, hey, we got a new CCG. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. So does everybody yeah. else. CCG Con. Oh, one of 200 of them? Okay. Yeah. Or thereabouts, I can't remember the. I feel like '96 was the the big year. Yeah, it was '96 or '98. Yeah, it was rolling hard by yeah. that point. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so he yeah worked on that, and then uh, the next one up, we still skip ahead a few more years. Like yeah, you, you're a... expecting, you know, just an endless slew. And this is what I kind of was thinking. I looked at how many entries there were, and I didn't, you know, I started at chronological and as i was going through them i was like my goodness like we're blowing through the years mm -hmm. and i've still got like you know 20 pages left of stuff yes. to look at i was like what is going on you can almost see the the rise of board games as a medium yeah just through the release years you can yeah because uh, stuff through here the we are we're, we're not that many games in and uh we're in the 2000s that's right uh the hills rise wild 2000 so it's nice you got that exclamation mark in the reading that was really good good thank you thank you appreciate that that's i mean you just gone the hills ride wild no. i would have been like no that is not it, does, this it, game. it has punctuation that Which i have to I, I expect i expect this game to be a musical now actually with the exclamation the hills mark. rise wild no <laughs> cthulhu the musical cthulhu interlude probably there probably is cthulhu the musical that's that's something else yeah it would be called cthulhu <laughs> racist I'll stop saying. Okay. Mm, so, 
we, you know, I, you see over and over again, as again, I said, the same designers come up again and again because they can't let, the, I think once they get sucked in, they lose their sanity and they just go down the rabbit hole. So Creatures and Cultists co-designer, John Tynes, uh, he joins with uh, Jesper Myforce, Mer, Merforce, sorry, I'm mispronouncing that. Um, that for never the, happens The to hills rise, <laughs> rise wild. And... Uh, the box art looks like the cover of an old slasher film, and the cover quote uh, says, A frenzied fury of hillbilly horror. Uh, it's like, a, I think, a green monster with a shotgun. I don't have the picture in front of me, but it was it was so just ridiculous slasher. See, I'd rather play a frenzied fury of furious fur traders. I just feel like if you're going to go alliteration, go yeah. all out. Like, what's this F and NH stuff, you know? It's true. F and H, right? Yeah, exactly. What are they trying to do? But basically, this looks like Wes Craven meets board game. Is the which, as you say, it does not sound ta- terrible at all. No, uh, it's listed as having miniatures, which I thought, oh, interesting departure. But they look like little printed stands, basically with right. little pictures. Um, yeah, the Pagan Publishing brought us this, but now uh, focus mostly on their Delta Green supplements for Call of Cthulhu. Uh, so they kind of went the opposite direction back into the RPG stuff. Right. Um, but this is where the kind of pace of the whole thing starts to pick up the two thousands boom mm-hmm. Cthulhu. Um, you know, you might think I'm going to spend the next half an hour talking about, uh, Jeff Tidball's bizarre, uh, thematic mashup Cthulhu 500 from 2004. I'm not Cthulhu 500. Yeah. We're uh, just, that's it. That's the last mention it gets the next big step, uh, in the world of Cthulhu is kind of a step back. Uh, on the same step, 2004 brought us Eric Lang's Call of Cthulhu collectible card game. Wait, 2004. Eric Lang makes collectible card games. I know. That's uh, never. So here's the text from the press release announcing the game, and this basically says it all. The Call of Cthulhu CCG will have no relation or compatibility to the Mythos collectible card game published by Chaosium Incorporated in the late 1990s. Fantasy Flight's Call of Cthulhu CCG will be present We'll, sorry, we'll present new and innovative gameplay, which will be simply fast and yet provide a deep and dynamic experience for players. The Call of Cthulhu CCG will seek to inspire the wonderful flavor of the Cthulhu genre, such as the flavorful pulp of 1930s environment, arcane tomes and secrets, paranormal investigations, the Elder Gods and their terrible servants, dark, sinister plots and human conspiracies and dangers from beyond the stars. Uh, we won't go too deeply into this game as it will soon be re-implemented when Fantasy Flight brings us the living card game concept. Um, so we'll just we'll leave it at that. But there's sure. the start of it. You yeah. can see, okay, Fantasy Flight's dipping in here. Things are going to change. Things this is, this is in the second wave of CCGs. Oh, boy. Yeah. Now we're going to go to 2005 when we get uh, Arkham Horror. I think wait, we, wait we've heard that we, one before. I feel like we covered that, did we not? We didn't cover it enough yet. Uh, one of the designers of uh, 1987's Arkham Horror, Richard Lanius, teams up with designer Kevin Wilson on this one for Fantasy Flight. Um, so Kevin, yeah, Kevin Wilson's uh, always pops up on these, you know, kind of works, I think, with a lot of these old um, intellectual properties mm-hmm. and helps revitalize them and bring them out again. Or he did there for a bit with Fantasy Flight. Um, well, this version keeps to the cooperative style of play. It does sound a fair bit uh, more complex and lengthy in gameplay. Uh, BGG listed as two to four hours. Um, I've never played it as much as I would like to. It sounds like a big mess of a game. And uh, I think 
teenage me would really have enjoyed this and adult me would like to go have a tea and a nap. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I want to so much, but I, I just, yeah. I, I, I feel like this is one your son would like. I think he would. The idea of, and I don't think he'd play it to win. I think no, your son no. would play it to drive your character crazy. Yes, like I think like so. <laughs> his victory would be when your character succumb. Is that a word? Succumbed. Succumbed. Yeah, I don't know something. Why do I succumbed. bother trying to talk? <laughs> when your character becomes yeah. crazy. Yes, I think so. And then you just get up from the table and walk away. <laughs> like whether his character <laughs> laughing is still... maniacally. Yes. <laughs> And then you'd catch him wearing a hooded robe and on the floor of his room with a pentagram. And it'd be great. I, yeah, I, there was uh, for a while I was considering one of the upcoming games because I thought, yeah, he he is attracted to these uh, kind of um, bananas horror themed mm-hmm. games because there's something kind of crazy about them. Yeah. Like they're just a little absurd and, and a he, little silly. And... He likes any game where you flip a card and something happens too, like just something terrible and random. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's 2005. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll go to now to 2007. So 2007, the inevitable happens. We get Munchkin Cthulhu. And uh, I think we can turn off the mics. The podcast is over. The theme is dead, right? I would say so. Yeah, I, I think that's the point at which it, it, any theme has been bled out. No, not yet. <laughs> no, uh, it's just getting going. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, the card game, Wait, 2008. I feel like I've heard this one before. There's no deja vu in this podcast. Yes. Nate French joins Eric Lang. Uh, they work together to re-implement the 2004 CCG version. So now this is the LCG version. Uh, this one had a remarkable run, though. Uh, after 9.7 million expansions, they announced... <laughs> give or was, take. Give or take. I, I lost track. It's, uh, the Wikipedia page is 400 pages long. They announced it was coming to an end in the fall of 2015, uh, or to be more precise, they state, after seven cycles of Asylum packs and nine deluxe expansions, the release of, of the Mark of Madness, the game's 10th deluxe expansion, completes a series of faction-based boxes. Uh, that's a lot of cards. How many? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I remember reading the number at one point and, and screaming in a high-pitched voice uh, and then just backing away. Uh, and at the same time, when it was they canceled it, I was like, oh, kind of sad because part of me just really still wants. I've never played it, and I kind of still would like to. But, you know, I'm so buried was, under Netrunner boxes, worry. so I just it's, avoided uh, it. This was this was FFG, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so don't worry. Just wait till 2018. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, although, yeah, I guess it just you know, how much Cthulhu is left. They'll look at that market and... I don't know if it was selling incredibly well, but I mean, it was such well, a big game. No one could get into it. Ninth deluxe expansion. Like you're, you're oh. going to have limited returns when you get to that number. And seven cycles. I think that's, if it's like, never know, there's six cycle, six packs in a cycle. So, I mean, that would be like 42 small expansions. Yeah. It's boggling. That's it's, boggling. No, you can't even. Yeah. Like, you'd look at that and go, no, I'm not playing And that. how do you remain, contain balance over that uh, as well? Because in LCG, the idea being, yes. I can't even, and I guess if you have a... Although, if anyone can, I feel like it would be Eric Lang. Yeah. Like, that would be the one to be like, hey, we need a ninth expansion for this after oh. billion cycles. And he'd go, okay, yeah, I got something. We got a mechanic here that'll work. And Yeah. And yeah. I imagine that's why he teamed up with Nate French, is they, they needed a couple of well, people to, to help wrestle this thing. Yeah, I can imagine. my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. know. I was strangely attracted to this. I always am. Uh, at some point, I'll just, I'll see it, and I'll... I'll pick up a core set just to try it, I think, because I 
for something about it. I don't There'll know. There'll be somebody that bought all of it oh, that will, will unload it at some point, for or like, they'll die for like four thousand dollars on eBay. No, it'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be because it'll be a dead That's LCG. True. Yeah, which is weird. Like dead CCGs somehow. I think because you had to collect them, so yeah. there's you know you don't know what That's you're going to get. But dead LCGs tend to get like. You know, like, what can you pick up uh, Game of Thrones for, the first edition now? No idea. Yeah. yeah. Neither, neither do I, actually. I just threw that question out there. Mm. Somebody's at home going, no, it's still expensive. Yeah. No, you're an idiot. Well, and I think if, you know, with the with the living system, a lot of people would have all of it. Mm-hmm. And if you have all of it and you play it, you'll continue playing it. And I think they have some support to print a certain amount of stuff. Right. They're not going to put out new stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to continue a certain amount of printing. So I think there will be people who still play this competitively yeah. and, and be super into it. So, Until they announce the next generation of it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm skeptical. I don't know if they will. Maybe they already have. I, I didn't see anything, though. If the Elder Gods have their way. Yes. <laughs> so you think, you know, at that point, is there any nook or cranny left? Like, have they just... Clearly. They Clearly, this is not a bit. We are done now, right? No. This is This is... No, with the appropriately titled... Cthulhu Rising, 2008. I, I can just hear Jim Morrison saying that. Cthulhu Rising. Well, that, you know, something like that would be appropriate because yes. uh, never one to be left out of, of the party. Uh, Reiner Knizia <laughs> jumps in. Hey, guys. Sup? Should I make a game on this theme? This, this, by the way, this is how you know you've gone from theme to trope, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is when, when you look at the designers when it's, when and When it's go, Munchkin okay, and Reiner yeah, Knizia. Steve Jackson, <laughs> Munchkin. Knizia, and that's not to dismiss these, these games. Yeah, but it's just that yeah, it, all the heavy hitters in these these genres like it's are like in oh, here. Oh, are you somebody listed on BGG that has more than a dozen titles to your your credit? You have made one of these exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's more exactly. Yeah. Um, the, he brought us this. It's quote unquote a highly strategic abstract game uh, that plays in twenty minutes. So I'm skeptical. Wait, I, wait, highly strategic. <laughs> 20 minute game yeah all right abstract uh i don't think there's anything remarkable here but uh i don't want to ever leave him off a list because he'll be on every list we ever make because he only has like i don't know 200 three or 400 games i don't even know how many hundreds i think it's it's uh attributed yeah it's a lot a lot and then a bunch more unattributed as well since all the games ever all the all the lego ones that's it's bananas yeah yeah uh, so after 2008, it's like counting snowflakes in a blizzard. Uh, expansion, 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 expansion. Some smaller titles, expansion, expansion. Wait, uh, were any expansions released? None. Okay. Uh, Fantasy Flight then just goes all in on Cthulhu. They just like slide all their chips over. We're in. Cthulhu. We're changing our name. Uh, you know, they're going to make the company something incomprehensible, unpronounceable to, to reflect the strategic decision. Uh I know it seems to defy certain laws of time and space. Some, somehow they breached reality and pulled through even more Cthulhu. I thought it was all gone. Uh, they, they extracted some more. Yeah. And uh, so 2011 is Cthulhu. And it must have been a pretty phenomenal year if you were all about that. Was it like some Elder God's birthday, 2011? Yeah. I th- Maybe? It, it could have been. It must have been. Because they, they raised wait, the Elder Sign. Wait, let me guess. They brought us a... Uh, Cthulhu Star Wars crossover. <laughs> that would not. Or is that the Sarlacc in Return of the Jedi? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't see at home, but I'm doing like, yeah, like yeah. tentacles I'm, with my fingers. And I'm just watching you yes. do this this gentle Sarlacc yes. hit with your hand. All right, let's move on. Where this podcast <laughs> will be devoured, but not 
consumed. Digested I can't remember. Forever. Digested. Yeah, that's it. So uh, yeah, Elder Sign 2011. Richard Lanius and Kevin Wilson, uh, the designers of the Arkham Horror reboot, have another go at it. At some point, it just gets confusing and blurry because you're like, where, who, what name? I when did I run? Oh, it's right. either it's either the name oh. is going to be the same as another or the, game, or the, or the designers are going to be the same. Exactly. This is where we're at. We're we're at the like the Back to the Future, you know, exactly. warping back on itself. It's completely yep. deja vu. Um, Elder Sign is sometimes described as Arkham Horror with dice, uh, which makes it much faster with less downtime and just enough theme to satisfy your inner Cthulhu needs. Uh, doesn't seem to just uh, doesn't seem that um one is necessarily better than the other but just comes down to how much time you have to play people right. like them both or if you're just adverse to dice exactly yeah. uh 2011 also brings us mansions of madness uh um Kaneska, uh, mm-hmm. i want to say sure. uh from fantasy flight um designs this one and uh eldritch uh, Mansions of Madness? Oh, did I, did I totally skip Mansions of Madness? No, no, okay. I, I merged two of them together in my head. I yep. don't know what I did. Anyway, here's the description for Mansions of Madness. <laughs> it's a macabre game of horror, insanity, and mystery for two to five players. Each game takes place within a pre-designed story that provides players with a unique map and several combinations of plot threads. These threads affect the monsters that investigators may encounter, the clues they will need to find, and which climactic story ending they will ultimately experience. One player takes on the role of the keeper, controlling the monsters and other malicious powers within the story. The other players take on the role of investigators, searching for answers while struggling to survive with their minds intact. Whoo. Okay. That that's that's a lot, right? That's um mm, yeah. I don't even know anymore. No, I it's yeah. like all of these games are blurring into one for me. They kind of are. And maybe that's their goal. I Corey Kaneska is back uh, in 2013 with Nikki Valens, and they bring us Eldritch Horror. So there's more horror. Which it's funny because I'm I'm looking through our notes. And I'm like, didn't we do Eldritch Horror already? I feel like I've done it four times. We said horror like 50 times. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, nope. This is a, this is an actual no, first timer on the list. The horror has gone global though, Jeff. Uh, global, you say? Global. One to eight players. Cooperative gameplay. Two to four hours of gameplay. Story everywhere. Does it replace Arkham Horror? Lots of opinion on this one. Uh, I like the global aspect on this. Uh, this is the one I was actually thinking of trying to play with my kid because right. I thought, yeah, it doesn't look too, you know, horrific. And it looks, I like the globalness. That just seems... The globalness. To... You would like insanity and darkness to fall over the whole earth and yeah. not just a city. I don't right? want it to be localized yeah. to, you know, Arkham. Or that gives whatever. hope to the rest of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, hope. <laughs> Silly. Um, Cthulhu so, fans clear, probably own them both. Yeah, but clearly now we've had two games in 2011, a great game in 2013. They're going to take a break now, right? No. Oh, and this this is actually what side uh, tracked me into the whole thing because I for some reason went down the rabbit hole of looking at uh, a wonderful little Martin Wallace game. Uh, again, you're like, what? Doesn't he make train games? No, no. A study in Emerald. Now this one, a the name is different. Uh, and B, yes. it's Martin Wallace. So you kind of turn your head and go, this should be interesting. Martin Wallace plus Cthulhu plus Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it's based thematically on a Neil Gaiman short story of the same title. And after watching some gameplay of this, I thought the shift in mechanics is 
I looked at this and thought, okay, I like this. This is now finally, I've like waded through this giant, beautiful Cthulhu swamp and I've come out on the other side and now, the, oh, there's another game. Okay, finally, we're, we're entering new territory here. Um, I think it's, you know, he had a few acres of snow, which was a deck builder a few years before this. And a different deck builder than the other way, deck builders. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like he's not going to just take a deck builder. He's no. not going to make Dominion. He's going to make no. his own thing. Yes. Um, so he seems he takes these sensibilities of like, you know, these really sophisticated train economic games and, you know, what he learned from doing deck building. And he tried to mash them together into making this, you know, this beautiful Cthulhu plus Sherlock Holmes game. Um, it looks super cool. It has a second edition now. I don't know. It just I do like that. It's not the, 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 you know, it's none of it is repetitive to what's come before it, which no. is nice. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to jump into this theme, it's something else. Um, so, you know, at, in the overall narrative at this point, we're, we're neck deep in Cthulhu. There are so many titles in the past few years that we could do another episode on every dice and card variation. Um, let's just briefly mention a few recent titles before we wrap it up. Uh, this is, it's just bananas. There's uh-huh. so many, there's, there's more in the past like couple of years than there was in the first 10 years of Yeah, that sounds theme. right. Uh, 2015 Cthulhu's Vault, Jim Dietz and, uh, Richard Lanius. Do you, do you recognize that? Is that Deja, I feel Deja like, name? I feel like we might've covered this before. <laughs> I got to give them credit on this one. Cthulhu's Vault. I like, I like yeah. the idea. Like in my mind now, Geraldo Rivera is involved in trying to uncover Cthulhu's Vault. Exactly. And he's underground right now <laughs> with a camera crew. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be people listening to this who are like, I don't know any of those words. No. <laughs> what that means. Go look it up and be horrified. Uh, Cthulhu's Vault is a card game for up to six players. Collaborative in nature, players work to tell the story of the monster's defeat. But unlike many storytelling games, the ending is not set. Within the storytelling are mechanisms for unexpected turns of events. Players begin with a hand of cards, each an element to work into the story being told. As they tell their story, they play a card, and if they can link multiple cards from their hand together, they receive a bonus of some sort usable later in the defeat of the Great Old One, or his ascension if the player turns out to be a cultist. If something is mentioned and another player has a card matching what is mentioned, he takes over the story and uses his cards at that point. The objective is to tell a great story and then reach the climactic fight between the investigators and the Great Old One, which is told in story format as well. Uh, Richard Lanius keeps hitting this theme, uh, seeming to be trying to perfect ways to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like the idea of this one. It sounds light and fun, more like a storytelling experience than a game. Um, And uh, it's like 45 minutes gameplay, so a little bit lighter. Um, But it's not just Richard Lanius that can't let the theme go. Uh, Call of Cthulhu RPG designer and Arkham Horror co-designer Sandy Peterson came at it again, but from a miniatures angle with Cthulhu Wars. Like, we're now at the point where you have to put Cthulhu in the title. You just have to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, again, I've, I've never played this or seen it in person, but uh, they don't look like miniatures. They are life-size Cthulhu mythos replicas that will live in your living room and eat your food and cost you most of your paycheck. Um, that said, it rates very highly on BGG, and people do not complain about the gameplay itself. Um, when I see that game, it seems like the inevitable direction that this theme had to go, but it was accomplished under, you know, the uh, capable designer and, uh, Cthulhu aficionado, Sandy Peterson. So you, did you just you, call Sandy Peterson a cultist, a Cthulhu, a cultist. Yeah. A cult aficionado. 
Well, I'm saying, like, you know, if he's if he's a big fan of Cthulhu, like, I think he is might. He, is he is he stop complimenting people? Did he make this game in an attempt to raise? I'm just saying, he as, as everyone's mother knows, yeah, you play these games, you're messing with the devil. I I think he might be. Hmm. Yeah, it's the only logical explanation. I think so. Yes. Again, I don't. He's probably not going to disagree. He, smoke bomb. Uh, that's what he'd be doing. Just leaving the room immediately. Yes. He's a cultist. <laughs> I just like Can't you work that in a just regular speech. Just smoke bomb as a and then, and then stop. My children use it all the time. It's, it's a particle speech in our house. It's, okay. <laughs> that I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, I watched a uh, Dice Tower review of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, the thing that got them, they, they liked the game, but it was the price point of this thing was like, I think over 150 bucks US at the time yeah. when it came out. Yeah. And that wasn't even like, uh, you know, some special edition. And then he, he priced out what it would be with all the expansions. And it was like over 400 or, or close to 400 or something like that. So it was, right. it seemed like it was the meatiness of it. Maybe a little, they just went full tilt. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're going to do, said, we're gonna do minis. Yeah. They're going to weigh like yeah. 14 pounds. They're huge. If you're going to do it, do it right. It looks impressive. Yeah, because it would be like, yeah, oh, we got an elder god on the table. Yeah. And it's, you know, 28 millimeters tall. And that kind of it is fit, fits it, really. Mm-hmm. It's sheer awesomeness compared to other little puny people. So anyway, yeah, looked cool, but uh, and sounds like it plays cool, but I don't know if I have, yeah, I can mortgage my house again for that. But that's 2015 now. No, that's old news. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's I forever mean, ago. Are you still on that? Like, yeah. come on. No, I'm. Uh, I've moved forward because we got a new theme coming up. Uh, well, a new old theme. Yes. Uh, this year we're gonna see. Uh... By the way, before you say it, this is my favorite title of all of them ever. Like this one, I look at this title and I go, "All right, tell me more." This well, this one ties together a lot of details. A lot of yes. everything I think comes together in this last one. Octung Cthulhu: The Secret War. Uh, I know nothing more about it other than it's a cooperative and it adds a, a new element brought over again from the role-playing game world. Uh, so this, this, the title Octon Cthulhu. Well, and the other thing you know is who designed it. Yes. Uh, Kevin Wilson, wasn't it? Yes. Kevin yes. Wilson. Yes. Uh, and uh, also it has, involves, you know, Nazis. So yeah, I mean like, okay. Fits the Lovecraft theme. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle there. Full circle. <laughs> Yeah, Nazis, Cthulhu, secrets. It secrets. sounds. Uh, uh, give them the description because I think like sure. I, yeah, I read this earlier and I'm like, yes, yeah, okay. Europe is ablaze with the final conflicts of World War II as the Allies are caught unaware by a German assault in the misty Ardennes forest. The Black Sun unleashes mythos evil from ancient sites, hoping to overwhelm the Allies for Allies forces. Whilst the Nacht Wolf attempt to power up a vast war machine that will bring over a thousand year Reich. All the while, the dreams of Cthulhu inspire a cultist to rise up in preparation for his return. As the heroes of Section M and Majestic in Octon Cthulhu The Secret War, you must race across Europe on vital missions, facing ancient terrors, recovering strange artifacts, and learning unspeakable knowledge to help defeat the forces of the Third Reich and the cultists of the Old Gods. To aid the heroes' desperate endeavors, the players must learn to command the powerful but overextended ally forces to help halt the tide of evil. All right, so Nazis, all right. Yeah, you got a lot going on there. You got you to gotta hold off military. You got to deal with cultists you yeah. gotta prevent the ascension of an elder god i mean that's 
It sounds like Indiana Jones meets Cthulhu meets, I don't know, just yeah, little adventure, little, yeah. Yeah, you little, would be wearing a fedora or probably a military uniform. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely B-grade. Like, it sounds like a B-movie, this. It would be the best B-movie. It would, it would be pretty good. And it may get made at some point. I would not be surprised. Yes. Um. So I think we've we checked all the boxes in this last one, and we can officially stop making Cthulhu games now. Um, <laughs> I, like it, it might be a shift to explore Cthulhu in uh, you know ways other than just like sanity and health uh, points mm. being affected, or you know, is it a way of addressing Lovecraft's own racism with you just like just put the Nazi theme right out there? Yep. Um, not to say he was, but yeah racist uh this isn't the only cthulhu 2016 game uh, as bgg lists several others already slated for the year uh i don't know are we at the you know is this peak cthulhu have we reached the end of it like will we we're gathering around the grandchildren years from now we're going it was the year of art 16 <laughs> exactly yeah like we we scraped the skull clean i don't see how we can i don't know the role-playing game world must have more up its sleeve uh maybe there's more like delta green stuff to come mm-hmm. out uh i mean there's a lot there's a lot going on still with it uh but more on the rpg side as well so there might be more crossover more interesting things um maybe it's just gonna be cthulhu expansions which there was so many of i was yes. like oh that's why there's like you know 200 listings is it's all expansion. expansions yeah. for the the living card game um, you know, only the gentle ding of cash registers and the enthusiasm of gamers uh, can determine this one for mm-hmm. us. I don't know. How did you uh, how do you feel about Cthulhu as a theme, Jeff? I think it's it's a theme that's here to stay. I think as uh, as we move more towards more and more minis in games, mm. uh, it is a theme that lends itself to awesome sculpts. And awesome sculpts tend to move Kickstarters. That's and true. moving Kickstarters seems to be the way to publish a board game. But is there a limit to the number of? I mean, even the the others, uh, Seven Sins, that mm-hmm. uh, that Eric Lang sculpted mini one coming out or that was done, that looked very Cthulhu-y in a way, like Cthulhu but it was Hellboy. More, it was more because uh, it was focused more on like the biblical. That's true. Side. Right? But are we going to see more mutating into these other directions, taking kind of the that horror essence and moving it away, or is it? Cause how many Cthulhu minis games can we have? Well, one really good one, right? I guess so. Yeah, like that tends to be how it goes. It, yeah. You can do it right up until everything that comes after it. They go, that, it's not as good as... That might be Cthulhu Wars. Maybe. That, that might be the one to end Maybe. It. Yeah, I don't but know. But then it's, there's a... I don't know. We'll, it's here to stay. I think there's enough you can do. When you look at Akshung Cthulhu, Yeah. and you go, okay, like yeah, like you say, they've moved away from this whole sanity yeah. investigation side. This is this is a fight. This is a race and a fight. Right. We're right. entering to the language of war, yeah. which has come up, you know, Cthulhu Wars, Octon mm-hmm. Cthulhu, the secret war. So it's entered this global, mm-hmm. it's taken on this. But even, uh, yeah, you got to study an emerald, right? So you've got a, a more, yeah. um, uh, I guess, more intellectual side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, a theme that's broad enough that you can shape it how you like. Yeah. Uh, we might get away from... Cthulhu being the Elder God. We might move right. away from that to a more generic darkness yeah. that's more malleable so there isn't as much um, um, preconceived notions about mm. about what you're bringing. Right. Uh, and that might become the more the thing. Or maybe we'll get a big run of light games. We'll get another, maybe. you know, uh, I, you know, a light 
Cthulhu-like game that was not on your list well, was... Uh, Smash Up Cthulhu expansion. Smash Up Cthulhu, yeah. yeah or I mean, how like, about uh, Forbidden Words? Right. Right? A word-building game based on going crazy by being yes. good at saying these secret words, these forbidden words you're not allowed yeah, to say. Yeah, that's bring, true. Yeah. Um, which used sanity in a way that was not used in any of these heavier no. games. So uh, they will, there will always that's be Cthulhu. Um, will it be, I think we're going to go back to the, you know, a few years apart, not the yeah. more than one in a year. However, I mean, you know, FFG is going to reboot it, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> they haven't met a card game. They don't want to re-reboot. This is true. So there's no licensing to pay on any of this. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a beautiful, uh, you can, you can nail anything onto this mm-hmm. it's a beautiful th- wait skeleton. wait till disney does their take on cthulhu it's true oh. there'll be a princess that has to fight a dark it'll be a whole thing <laughs> yeah 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 i agree with you i think uh as much as i i i do like where it's going and that's abstracted away from the original thing and it's mm-hmm. become bigger and weirder and yeah that you'll get uh scooby-doo making references to it you know it's right. just it's become some other thing it fits well with the uh i think as i was getting out with the the vampires one last time is the kind of weird time period we live in right now mm-hmm. where there is endless global war it seems like it it kind of that ambient anxiety and and uh, uncertainty that people feel mm-hmm. uh these these games and these themes uh, are good at helping people maybe address these mm-hmm. ideas a little bit. And maybe they don't even know or, they're attracted to these games because of or those Or even themes. rationalize it. Like, yeah. hey, things are falling apart. But, you know, Elder Gods aren't rising. Yeah. It's not the end <laughs> hey, times. It's that. We yeah. Get that. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's, yeah, I agree with you. I think until we hit some uh, sunny stretch of, you know, future, mm-hmm. uh, future living where we're just all in our autonomous cars and it's all sunshine and rainbows. Yep. Cthulhu will be around to stay until the next review goes. Oh, Cthulhu! I'd rather play a zombie game, and then you know, yeah, then, then it starts to go over again. The shark has been jumped. The wave. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it in iTunes or however it is you listen to this. Again, reading the cuneiforms in your cave by torchlight, waiting for the elder gods. To... Send out, send out some semi-four messages. Yeah, let us know. Uh, or if you want to point out some great titles we missed, because I'm yep. sure we missed loads. Uh, I tried to cover, I hit the ma- the big ones. I covered as many that I found immediately yes. interesting and some I probably glossed over that yep. I shouldn't have. Um, and th- as it stands, I think we took away enough of your sanity points. I think we did with this one. Uh, visit the show page over breakingdads.com and uh, let us know. Until next time, I've been James. And I'm still Jeff. <laughs>